word with you together today as we uh, look at these aha moments. I have to bring something up. I'm going to be honest. I didn't even write this down. This is just on my heart. Pastor Mike called them dude moments. When we met for that, we were like, hey, let's do aha moments. He agreed. Then he's like, hey, you know what? Let's change it, ninth hour, dude moments. And I was like, I'm down with that. If you promise to dress up like the dude for the next time you do the sermon. And he was like, done. So he's done it once. And now all that I'm asking of you is to flood his email box. If you got his cell phone number, call him and be like, so looking forward to you dressing up like the dude and giving us the message next week. That's all I need you to do. Just a simple email, just like that. If you don't know who the dude is, I Google it. I don't know. Don't, don't want, I didn't recommend the movie, but I definitely... If you know, send him the email. He will appreciate that. But let's just jump right into the Word today because the Word for us is one of those things that really does enlighten us. We see rich theology and rich understanding of Jesus, but also an opportunity to, to grow in our faith walk and what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. So what I'd like to do is just go through the text verse by verse with you today, this morning, and, uh, and, and see how it applies. So here's the text today. It comes from the Gospel of John, uh, John chapter 1, 29. It's in your uh, bulletin if you want to follow along, and I'll also have the words up here on the screens. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, a man who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. Now, this first sentence is really profound theology here. What we are seeing here is that John, before Jesus has even begun his ministry, has a complete understanding, or at least maybe doesn't understand, but is pointing us to the very exact reason for what Jesus came. By calling him this Lamb of God, we are immediately reminded of the Passover Lamb in Exodus. The people, because they had been enslaved by, uh, by Egypt, were told by God to slaughter a lamb and put the blood of the lamb above your door past, so that when the angel of death comes, it will pass over you. This whole idea of Jesus already going to be the blood that will cover us so that death passes over us and instead we will receive eternal life is here at the very beginning of John's gospel and telling us who Jesus is. There is no mystery about Jesus. With an understanding of the Old Testament, we see right away exactly who he is. In fact, this idea of the Lamb of God is also for us in Isaiah 53. And I just want to read this to you because this is one of those profound chapters that we have. During the time of Lent, we spend weeks reading and speaking these words together from Isaiah 53 because they tell us of who Jesus is and what he has done for us. So this is one of those moments in the sermon, these, these very special moments where you get to close your eyes, lean your head back, open your mouth while you're breathing because you're a mouth breather, and just go ahead and enjoy these promises that our Lord has for us. Isaiah says, "'Lord, who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed?' He grew up before him like a tender shoot, describing Jesus now, and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. For he was despised and rejected by man, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. But surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. 
We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him, that being Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And this is the part where John brings in. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, yet who of this generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living, and for the transgression of people he was punished. Friends, this is who Jesus is. He was the one that was given for our sins. He is the reason that we gather here today. Knowing that we are broken, knowing that this Jesus has done for us is why we are here. It's why we come. John says this whole, this one I meant when I said a man comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. In your Bibles, you can look. It's just a few verses earlier. This is that sandals part where he says, I'm not worthy to untie the sandals of this man, Jesus. Kind of like us husbands for our wives. Can I get an amen? Very good. Uh, Noticed only the lady said amen there, but that's fine. (laughs) I'm good with that. Uh, And then this is also another profound moment, right? He's bringing in what Paul will later say in Colossians 1.17, where he says that Jesus is before all things, and in Jesus all things hold together. There is not a life without Jesus. There is simply him. I myself did not know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. John's purpose is clear. And I think if we do something here, don't hold this against me for crossing stuff out in the Bible, but what if I did this? What if I said, but the reason I came was that he might be revealed to... I wonder if this is a purpose for us. But the reason I have this job But the reason this friend came into my life was that he, Jesus, might be revealed to them. I love to do this with the Word of God, to immerse ourselves in it and to find ourselves in it. I don't think this is something that we should overlook. We have a purpose as well, a calling. And so for our aha moments, my first one for you today is to get in the Word. If the reason why we are here is to point people to Jesus, then we need to know who Jesus is. I'm always surprised when I go through confirmation that so many of the students have not spent much time reading an entire gospel. They've spent their lives being told who Jesus is rather than reading it for themselves. And if you have a tug on your heart to be like, you know what, I don't know if I've ever read a gospel or all four gospels. I don't know if I've spent time in the Word then I hope that this is an aha moment for you today. We must be people who are in the Word. We must know for ourselves firsthand, this is who my Jesus is. Personal time in the Word is how we connect to God. We connect to God in worship here corporately, but also outside, week by week, day by day, by being time in the Word. And Now, this is just me on my soapbox here, but I'm not talking about a devotion or one verse of the day. I think that's great. It's a great first step, but friends, we have to be calling ourselves to more. We have to hold ourselves accountable to more. I love devotions because you get a simple scripture and then someone else's thoughts. But friends, spend time in the word for yourself as well. We have to know who this Jesus is. Just the word. And if you sit there and you're like, you know what, the Old Testament is confusing, read the message. Eugene Peterson does a great job of capturing the emotion and the teaching without necessarily the formal structure of how the Bible was written. 
we have to know who he is and what he says. There's a reason we sing those verses and we speak these words when we come together. This is who Jesus has said we are. And we are bombarded with thousands of messages daily and all the time being told differently. You aren't happy because you don't have this. You're not good enough because you still need to get here. This Bible says differently. This Bible says that Jesus has come for you as you are and that he himself will change you. He himself will come alongside you. It tells us exactly who he is and exactly what he says. And when you look at it, you will find about the history of the people of God. You will find that you are struggling with the same things that for generations since mankind has come, you have struggled and they have struggled as well, but it is God who has saved and God who restores. You will find hope in these stories because they are the same stories that we are living. You will find Jesus in these stories for he is the center of Scripture and is never apart from it and is never apart from you. The text continues and says, Then John gave his testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent and baptized with water told me, The man on whom you see the Spirit come down or remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. Friends, this is a testimony. It's all it is. John says, This is what I knew. I had an understanding and I was told what to look for. This is what I saw, and now I'm confessing this with complete confidence. I have an understanding of God because I know him. Clearly, he was in the word. Look at how he understands Isaiah 53. He has a personal moment with Jesus. And then he confesses and speaks to it confidently. He's not wishy-washy here. He's not trying to be not offensive. He's simply saying what it is. So maybe your next aha moment is what if I called you up right now to give your testimony? I'd hope that you wouldn't freak out. And I'd hope that you'd realize it's okay to practice your testimony. If the question, why do you believe, comes to you, and you haven't practiced giving an answer, or you haven't thought about it, do you really expect that all of a sudden you're going to be able to speak elegantly? These aren't just elegantly formed rhymes off the cuff here, folks. When we know who Jesus is, we can speak to what he has done in our lives. Why do you believe in Jesus? And I know you can do this. Because if I asked you, I bet you could tell me or try to convince me to watch your favorite show. Or why I should root for this team. Or why I should read this book. You are already great convincers of things that you love. Take a picture of this screen. What has Jesus done, is doing, or will do for you? These are great ways to start the conversation. For example, where have you seen God work in your life? Friends, it's not offensive to tell someone where God has been working in your life. The world may think that you are irrelevant or extreme, but you are not. Because your life is different because you believe. How does your faith influence what you want to do and to be about? When we are percolating and thinking about these questions, then speaking of Jesus will come very naturally to us, as it should. Here's three others that you can think about. Are you mentioning either prayer or church or Bible study or God's word and how it influences you as a part of your life? 
What are you doing today? Well, I'm going to church this weekend, and then I'm going to go to blah, blah, blah. I notice that you've been pretty positive lately. Things aren't really well at work. What's going on? Well, being centered in God's word, I have this little devotion. I'm spending time reading it. This is how it's working for me. You have now casually brought up the Lord in a way where someone who is going to see something about you that is different, that is attractive because you have hope, you have peace, is going to want to know what is that that you're talking about. And now you don't have to freak out because you've practiced this and you know and you believe and you're ready to speak. Are there any particular struggles you've come through in which God has been there? You bet there are. Look at your own life already. You can already speak to how times were so horrible and times were so tough that you didn't know how you got through it except for that God was there. That is a profound and powerful witness to give to someone. Has there been any benefit to walking with Jesus all your life? What if they asked you that question? You could respond with how much time you got. Let me tell you. Questions that we can answer that we already know how to speak to by removing the fear of messing up. You can't mess up. You can't mess up. Whoops, I skipped a verse. Here's the text again. The next day, John was there with two of his disciples. He saw Jesus passing by. He said, look, the Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, they followed Jesus. Turning around, Jesus saw them and asked, what do you want? What are you seeking? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come, he replied, and you will see. And so they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him about four in the afternoon. Turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? What are you seeking? These are the first words of Jesus in the book of John. I don't read them like, what do you want? (laughs) At all. I certainly hope you don't. I see a kind, loving Savior turning around, seeing two people who are interested, and ask them, what are you looking for? What are you seeking? They don't even know how to respond. They're like, oh, where are you hanging out, man? This is the dude moment. That's a couple of bros right there. You know, the Gospel of John's first words, like I said, are, what do you want? What are you seeking from Jesus? The first words of the resurrected Jesus or why are you crying and who do you seek? It starts with the what and ends with the who. Maybe you came here today because you wanted something. Peace, answers. Really you came because there is a who that you want. And that who is Jesus. And notice what he does with these two dudes. He says, come and you will see. He doesn't say, well, get your life together and then come back. He doesn't say, you know what? I got a meeting at three, but then if you cruise by at four, that'll work for me. He says, come and you'll see. And surprisingly, they go. It's a personal invitation from Jesus to you. Jesus draws us in. You want to draw this back to the word? We pray, Lord, I want to see you. Lord, I want to know you. Lord, I need help. He says, come and you will see. And says, open this text. These are the very words that speak of who I am. Come, read, and you will see. And you will be made more. 
Andrew, Simon's Peter brother, was one of the two who heard that John had said and had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah. That is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means Peter. First thing. Andrew did not waste time after his time with Jesus. He went to the one that he loved and he brought him. Parents, if your children don't want to go to church because they don't want to get up or they don't want to sit in uncomfortable chairs, I'm sorry, but you need to bring them to church. It's the way it works. You bring them to church. My dad will tell you, I didn't want to go to church. We had to go at 8 a.m. <laughs> and every Sunday morning, the lights would come on, the sheets would be ripped off, and I would hear, I was glad when they said, let us go to the house of the Lord. <laughs> that is what my dad sounds like. I did not want to go, but I was brought to church, and I was brought to know who Jesus is. We bring people to church, especially our friends, it's one thing to say, hey, I'd like to invite you to church. It's another to say, hey, I'm picking you up at 925 because 930 church doesn't really start till 935, even if they have a countdown. <laughs> and we're going to go. And we're going to go. And this, this is a whole different sermon. Look at the name changed. Renee will tell you about names being changed at baptism. Any of us who will tell you about being changed at baptism. You come to Jesus, he makes you something new. But again, that's for another time. I only get 22 minutes. <laughs> so this was my aha for me this week. The ahas that Jesus' followers have always borne witness to him and brought others to him. Keep going with this text. You'll see that Philip does it next. Read the book of Acts. You'll see people do it countless times. But friends, if this sentence is true, if that Jesus' followers have always given witness to him and brought others to him, then this part is true as well. This is not an option, but a calling. This is a calling that each of us has received. This is a calling that each of us have received. Now I'm going to invite the band to come on forward right now, and they're going to lead us in a few more songs and some prayers. And I know what you're thinking. Okay, this is a calling and I can do this. You've given me a few questions to consider, but I'm not like John the Baptist. I'm not wearing a camel vest and eating locusts and things like that. That's crazy. And I tried calling someone a brood of vipers and I got fired. It's not going to work for me. <laughs> and I'm not like Peter and I'm not like Andrew and I'm not as elegant as Paul or the hundreds of other people that you show me in this text that teaches me how to witness and stuff, that's not what I'm asking you. You, each of you, have been uniquely designed by Jesus himself. He has created you with specific gifts, specific talents. He has placed you in a specific family, in a specific role, in a specific job, surrounded by specific people. That you alone, only you, can come and bear witness to him in. 
my encouragement for you as you're witnessing is to simply be your self. Be yourself. And lest you think that it's just you out there, listen to this next song that we're going to sing. When you sing, you are confessing that this is what you also believe and feel. That no matter what mountains or things happen, that the Lord is with us. You believe that the Lord wants this. He wants other people to come to faith. It's why you're here. Because someone taught you the gospel and someone brought you to faith. And so whether the fear is in your mind or is something of the world, be yourself because God stands alongside you.